Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode on the Crowdsourcing Sustainability Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Hagen. Just now realizing I don't usually introduce myself, so hello. Thank you all for listening. Just wanted to give you a quick heads up that the following episode is a recording of a webinar that we hosted in September with solar experts from Energy Sage. The purpose of this webinar was to help people like you navigate the solar process so you can switch from dirty electricity powering your home to clean electricity. And this is geared towards people in the U.S., just as an FYI. You'll get about 95% of the value with audio only, but there were a few visuals shared. You can watch the recording on YouTube if you decide you want to see any of those visuals. Also, if you live in the U.S. and are thinking of going solar, definitely use our partnership link in the show notes to use Energy Sage's online solar marketplace, which makes everything much easier, cheaper, and more transparent. All right, you'll hear more on all of this in a little bit, so let's get this show on the road. I hope you find it useful, and as always, feel free to drop me a line if you have any feedback, questions, or suggestions. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Uh, welcome to another crowdsourcing sustainability webinar. My name is Ryan Hagen, and I'll be your host alongside Rachel Taylor. We really appreciate your interest in switching to clean energy to power your home. And I'm going to go over the agenda quickly before we dive in so you can know what to expect. Um, so first, the purpose of today's webinar uh, is to help people like you navigate the solar process so you can switch from dirty electricity powering your home to clean electricity. And FYI, this will have some useful info for everyone, of course, but it really is geared towards people in the U.S. This webinar will run for about an hour. For the first 45 to 50 minutes, we'll be interviewing our guests, and then we will open it up to Q&A. Today, we are lucky enough to be joined by Mike Condon and Matt Schuler. Mike and Matt both work at Energy Sage, which is really second to none when it comes to making the solar process easier, more transparent, and much cheaper for homeowners and renters alike in the U.S., thanks to their free online marketplace and free unbiased energy advisors who are there to help you every step of the way. I actually used Energy Sage four years ago to help get solar on my parents' roof. And they made what would be an overwhelming process process much easier and cheaper. And I've been recommending them to everyone ever since, uh, which is why we were happy to partner with Energy Sage recently. This means we get a little money if anyone ends up going solar through one of our links to Energy Sage. And you know, every little bit uh, makes a difference for our nonprofit, of course. But we really just want to. We really just see this as aligning with our mission. And if we can help more people get off fossil fuels, switch to solar, and get the best deal possible in the process, that is a win in our book. So Mike has been in the solar and clean energy space for the last seven years and is going to give us a comprehensive overview of Energy Sage, along with giving us a high-level perspective of where the residential solar industry stands right now in the US. And then Matt is a senior energy advisor with Energy Sage, who's going to walk us through how to know what solar option is right for you, best practices in this process, and uh, walk us through what the Energy Sage solar marketplace actually looks like and how that works. So Mike and Matt, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to join us today. 
Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Rachel. Uh, great to be here and great to have this group here. Uh, happy to chat with you more about solar. Awesome. All right. Mike, first question is going to you. Can you please just paint a high level picture of where the solar residential solar industry stands right now for residential folks in terms of, you know, adoption, how it's growing, why people are doing it, how they feel afterward, and just like a range and average savings that people are looking at. I know that's different everywhere, but just to give folks a sense of what we're talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so solar industry in general uh, is very healthy right now. And that's specifically due to the recent passing as well of the Inflation Reduction Act, which just passed two, three weeks ago or so. Um, residential solar had its largest quarter in history with 1.2 gigawatts DC installed um, recently. That's a 30% increase uh, over Q1 of 2021, 5% increase over Q4 2021. Um, even prior to the in Inflation Reduction Act and what you'll hear is the IRA passing uh, for short, over the last few decades, solar costs have dropped dramatically. That's mostly due to really technology advancements uh, and economies of scale, uh, making panel efficiencies increasing as well. So residential systems have been steadily rising in, in terms of how large they are for, for homeowners over the last couple of decades. Um, throughout or through to 2021, the U.S. has surpassed 2.5 or just about 2.5 million residential solar installations. Um, I think what's helpful to set context to and just like how much this industry is growing, especially over the last couple of decades, um, for, for multiple years in the late 2010s, solar installer was the fastest growing job in the U.S. Just speaks to that uh, significant rise in the industry and the strong growth that we're seeing. And then uh, just recently, too, I think what's helpful to kind of set this context is Energy Sage releases a semi-annual solar marketplace Intel report. It's our 15th one uh, that just recently came out. It's really packed with a ton of data, research, insights covering the solar industry. This most recent one covers the last 12 months, so July 2021 to June 2022. Um, in that, we've, we've seen that the median quoted price per watt is 277. It's actually a slight increase over the last couple of years of what we've seen, uh, mostly due to pandemic related stuff, supply chain constraints. Um, but overall, the, um, the there's been a, a significant decrease, as I mentioned, over the last couple of decades in, in what we were seeing for solar price per watt um, in the past. Uh, typical players in the in the uh, leading states in the U.S. that you'll see is obviously California, Texas, Florida, North Carolina, Arizona. Something that's in common with all these is they get a lot of sun. Um, but even in states like Massachusetts, where me and Matt are based, um, New York, Illinois, we're seeing a lot of uh, folks going solar there. And, and those are in the top 10 states as well. Um, what people can see that there's a couple of different options, and Matt will get into this a little bit more uh, in his section as well. But for rooftop uh, solar, when people go solar and, and actually have panels installed on their roof, they can typically save around $10,000 to $30,000 on electricity over the lifespan of those panels, which will typically last 25, 30 years or so. Um, and on the community solar front, for folks that don't want panels on their roof or are renters, for instance, um, they can subscribe to a community solar farm and save around 5 to 15% annually. Um, and then one last tidbit that I'll, I'll just share is that what we've been seeing um, 
over the last few years, especially, and I think with just the increased risk of power outages, especially that we're seeing in California with public safety power shutoffs or uh, climate change impacts, um, that a lot of folks are going with solar and attach and storage to their systems now. Um, in Energy Sage's report that I had mentioned earlier, 17% of solar shoppers are now have purchased so storage in the first half of 2022, um, which is definitely an increase from what we've seen even four or five, six years ago, um, which is really promising and, and really exciting. That is awesome. Uh, so now I'd love for you to just dive into Energy Sage. Like, what does Energy Sage do and how do you kind of fit into this solar ecosystem that you just outlined? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Energy Sage, we were founded in 2012. So I've been around about a decade now. Mission has been to empower people to make smarter energy decisions through simplicity, transparency, and choice. So really think of us almost like um, Kayak or Expedia. Um, we're looking to make solar go, uh, making make going solar as easy as booking a flight online. Um, recognized really that the, the solar process is super intimidating. It can be overwhelming. It can be confusing, especially for people that pay their electric bills and then are done with it each month, which is, which is like the majority of folks uh, like myself. Um, so what we wanted to do though, is set out to change that, make it less intimidating, less confusing, less overwhelming. So we provide objective, unbiased educational solar content. It's all free on our, uh, on our website. Um, we have solar calculators to help you identify if your roof is good for solar um, and what savings you might expect, just give you that quick snapshot. And then we have a competitive marketplace um, for homeowners and renters, renters that are interested in exploring their solar options. As I mentioned, services are totally free. It's 100% online. For folks that are interested in not just reading articles and, and getting caught up to speed on what's happening in the solar industry and want to take that next step to really identify and, and figure out if their house is good for solar and if it makes sense for them. Um, we have a, the competitive marketplace uh, to do that as well. Homeowners don't get any calls from the installers that are on our marketplace. Um, so you, you have that luxury of just kind of going in the comfort of your home, identifying if, if solar is right for you. Um, so <laughs> What Matt, Matt's role is and what he can speak to a little bit better than I can is we do have energy advisors as well that kind of coach or support you through that process. So on one side, you have um, installers that we vet and allow onto our platform to provide quotes to consumers. Um, and then consumers have a number of quotes, up to seven quotes that they can receive from locally vetted installers around their geographic area. Um, Matt's job is to, to kind of help coach or support you through that process and understand like, what are, what are you actually looking at when you're viewing these quotes and answer any questions that you might have prior to reaching out to the solar installer. Um, Matt, it might be good for you to speak to that a little bit. I'm just gonna mention one last thing and then I'll, I'll pass the mic over to you to, to dive into what an energy advisor does a little bit more. Um, but in 2017 or 2018, um, National Renewable Energy Laboratory had done a study on the Energy Sage marketplace um, and determined that consumers who use the Energy Sage marketplace save roughly $10,000 as opposed to those who go directly to solar installers. And I think that just speaks to a couple of points. One, the educational component that we have on our website, where we have thousands of articles that, that give you that objective education on solar and from super high level solar 101 to super granular stuff, um, if that's what you're interested in learning more about. Um, 
And then the other part of it is that you have the ability to compare quotes side by side, apples to apples comparison, where you're not getting a number of different quotes from solar installers, um, trying to figure out what is uh, what does this mean compared to this other quote that I got. Um, Matt, do you want to speak to to your role a little bit more and kind of how you fit into that picture? Yeah, absolutely. And maybe give, I can give some more context to really how it feels when you're using the Energy Sage Marketplace, what the actual process is like working through us versus working through a traditional installer uh, and work from there. And, and Ryan, while I go into that, would you be able to pull up the, the slide deck we have with the quick kind of intro of how the site looks, how the site looks, how it works? Um, and I'm curious if there's anyone here who has registered with us before, if you want to drop it in the chat. Um, but yeah, so to provide some additional context to what Mike said, uh, the actual sign-up th process through Energy Sage is very simple. It takes about 10 minutes. Uh, we ask for a general estimate of your electric billing usage. Uh, you drop a pin on your roof and just give us all the necessary information you have regarding your preferences for the search specifically. And then generally within a day up to a week, we're able to start getting you a handful of quotes to review. Uh, now, every customer who uses the platform is assigned an energy advisor, which is uh, my role within the company, essentially being the customer-facing resource for people looking to go solar who are looking to get some insight uh, and some assistance on moving forward without needing to go directly to the installers who've submitted quotes. That's something we feel very strongly about and we feel um, is, is an issue people commonly have with the industry is that you, you know you're shopping for something, there are people who are gonna try to help you along the way, but there are also people who are understandably trying to sell you something. And so we wanna make sure that you're gonna go into the process as well prepared and as empowered to make both a reliable and an educated decision as possible. Uh, and so part of that is, as Mike said, the, the wealth of educational content we have on the site. We have thousands of articles related to every aspect of the solar journey and industry. Uh, we're the most trafficked web solar website in the US for a reason. Um, and that's largely to help bring people to the site and understand what they're looking at. And also to make sure that when you do proceed through this process, you really have a good idea of, of what you're getting into and what you're actually gonna be receiving. Uh, and so throughout the process, you have access to this team of advisors such as myself to be able to walk you through uh, you know, how do you go about comparing bids? What are you actually looking at between the quotes? What individual F assets are more important versus less important at certain stages? And once you're actually ready to move forward, what, what you're actually going to be paying attention to and, and how to proceed. So this, this slide here has a snapshot of what the quote pages look like on our site. Again, if anyone here has registered before, this probably looks pretty familiar. If you haven't, it probably looks like a, a wall of numbers right off the bat. Um, but so when you receive a number of quotes, we, we try to give you as much information as possible for you to really start sifting through and understanding the differences. And so that's going to come down to data on how the pricing compares based on different quotes, both in total cost as well as cost per unit, uh, the details on the systems themselves, panel uh, and inverter quality differences, the system size and specifics, output per panel, total output capacity, the percentage of your personal use that the system will actually cover, so really, really front and back a good thorough breakdown of exactly what goes into these bids. And these are handcrafted bids. Uh, so installers quoting on the site are thoroughly pre-vetted contractors who have been essentially approved into our platform after a, a long period of due diligence on our end. That's another thing we, we find very important. There's a lot of solar companies out there now. Anyone here who has shopped for solar before has probably either had someone come knocking on their door, they've gotten a phone call, um, and you really don't have a fantastic way of understanding the company's history. I, I think one, one thing I like to mention is that people who shop for solar, they'll typically only do it once, maybe twice. You know, it's, it's like buying a house. It's something that you're going to be getting for an extended period of time. And especially this early into the adoption of the technology, it's probably not something you've done before. Um, and so being able to get a good idea of not only what you're looking at, but who you're getting the quote from is, is a big part of that. And I'd say 
an advantage of Energy Sage is that these companies have gone through a thorough approval process with us before. So you know that we have looked at their history, their quality of business, their pricing to really make sure that we are getting a company that's going to be a good fit for you both tomorrow and ideally 10 years from now. Um, and then so again, working with an energy advisor, you can sift through the details of the quotes, the company history, what to expect regarding service, uh, who you're going to be speaking with so we can help you figure out your primary point of contact. Though you, when you move forward with an installer, you will be working directly with them. Your contract will be with them. You have Energy Sage as a resource for you throughout the full aspect of the process. You're, you're working with a partner of ours, and we like to make sure that you're sort of covered on, on every end there in terms of always having a resource for any information you might need. Um, so again, moving kind of I think on the next slide here, there's a quick breakdown of the, the energy advisor role. And so again, this is, this is my role in the process. Every account on the site is assigned to someone from my team. If you sign up, you'll see you'll receive likely receive an email from one of us. It might be myself or another member of the team offering our service and our, our insight if it would be helpful. Uh, we have a, an inbound chat feature on the site. If you have any questions, you can set up a direct time to meet over the phone or virtually with someone else to either do just a basic outline of how the process works, get a general idea of, of what individual details within the quotes mean, or do a thorough front to back comparison of every single bid you've gotten to figure out which one is the best fit for you. Um, and in terms of just finally a quick breakdown of how the total process works front to finish. So if you're at the phase with Energy Sage, you're at the point where you've gotten a number of quotes. Uh, if you wanted to proceed, you'll go forward with an on-site survey with your installer of choice. They'll take a look at your usage history. They'll take a look at the roof, the electrical panel in the home, make sure that your system design is a perfect fit for you. Then they will go through the final approval process with your utility company. You'll get interconnected with your utility in your town and you'll be up and running. And that full process for reference typically takes, give or take, a, about three to four months total for context. So that was a lot of information. I, I hope that was a good general overview of how the how the site works, how it works with with us as a true unbiased advisor for you. Because again, we we want to make sure solar shopping is as easy and as transparent as possible, but also help you get a good deal in the process. And, and that's really how our our site is designed is to be able to benefit you on on both sides there. I'll hop in here and add as someone who's used this before, like I said, four years ago. Um, one of the things I really appreciated, and I, I don't know if people can actually see it here, but like if I zoom in, they really do give you like a lot of the most important info and questions you'll be asking yourself. Like how much is this going to cost up front? What are the long-term savings? What is the payback period? like? after how many years, how many years will it take for me to break even on this investment? And then, you know, after that point in time, it's basically free electricity for as long as the system lasts. Um, I don't think you guys mentioned this, but when I told my mother that we were doing something with Energy Sage, she was like, oh yeah, they were, they were great. They didn't, no one bugged you at all. Like that was a big thing for her that like the companies who were giving quotes were not, did not have your phone number, did not have your email. Um, and we had, we had tried a couple of people before that and just, you know, the phones kind of ring off the hooks. So that was appreciated as well. But um, yeah, I'd like to- on the, on the site, you, you really control the entire flow of the communication. So whether you want to pass along a phone number or an email to communicate externally, we have a full messaging platform if you wanted to just keep your communication directly on the site and just message with each installer, 
yeah, most installers at this point actually have their calendar built into the quotes. That's something that's relatively new for the site now. So if you wanted to schedule a meeting with them directly on the quotes, you can. Uh, or you can just do the full search with us and not speak to anyone until you're ready. So that's, again, it not if you were shopped externally, it's not always quite so easy, but we, we do our best to make it as simple as possible there. Awesome. Okay, so that's the platform. I'd love to kind of take a step back and just ask you, Matt, how does someone determine like what the right solar option is for them? I know there's several different options and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you can like buy it outright. You can buy, buy it on your roof with a loan. Uh, you could get a lease. There's community mm -hmm. solar. Yeah. Can you just like walk us through the different like important pieces that help someone determine what avenue is best for them? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think the the latter part there is, is useful talking about first in terms of understandably solar, it's a big investment and that there's really no looking around that if you were looking at just the total upfront cost. It is a sizable amount of money that a lot of people are not going to have just in their back pocket ready to spend. It is absolutely true that it can save you a lot of money long term. You know, if you, if you were ever interested in just estimating how much you'll spend to your electric utility over the next 20 years, it's not a fun number to look at. And so solar does help put that in perspective. But in terms of paying for solar specifically, Energy Sage, we primarily deal in purchase options, meaning either paying cash or going through a financing option. And if you wanted to take out a loan and finance the system rather than pay cash, most every in tr traditional installer you could work with is going to carry a variety of loan options available to you with term lengths varying everywhere, anywhere from down to maybe three years up to 25. Um, now, notably, if you're purchasing the system, that allows you to claim uh, purchase incentives and notably the tax incentives that are available. And Mike talked, touched on this briefly and with the passing of the IRA, I think it's, it's worth mentioning as much as possible. For people able to claim it, there is a 30% federal tax credit on the total cost of your solar installation. So beyond covering your utility bill every month, that is one of the big value drivers for it. And if you're buying the system, you can claim it. If you're leasing the system, which is the other primary way people will pay for rooftop solar, um, it is generally a lower cost month to month, but because you don't own the system, you aren't able to claim the tax incentive, uh, which is, it's a credit, not a refund. So it is based on your tax liability. Uh, but leasing would be the other primary way outside of a cash purchase or loan where you would get the system and essentially, um, rather than owning it, you pay a month to month fee to the company who installed it. Um, and then the other avenue there for people who really do not have the ability to go with rooftop solar at all would be community solar if it's available to you. Uh, we also have a marketplace for this. It's, it's one of our newer products on the site. Community solar is essentially an alternate option where you will subscribe to a certain plot of panels from a large solar farm and essentially receive net metering credits through that solar farm to cover a portion of your bill at a reduced rate. Uh, so if you're in an area that has community solar available, that is a way where you can support local solar generation and actually save about five to 15% month to month on your electric bills without needing to, to buy a system outright and put it up on your roof. Uh, so it's a great alternate option, bit more restricted in terms of who has access to it. But if you're interested in that, definitely recommend checking that out. Yeah, that's a really cool option. Is there, um, I know that's not available in every state yet. Can we, can you walk us through where that is? Is there a? We, we have a map for it. I actually think we cut it from the slide deck for today, but I am happy to pass that along um, after the webinar today and let, I'll let people know where it's specifically available. I believe there's, and Mike, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, maybe 10 or 11 states currently where community solar is readily available. Um, yeah. And a good amount of those are available on our site. 
Yep, 11, I think it's 11 states right now. Um, but going back to, I know we keep referring back to the IRA, but with the IRA passing, I anticipate there are gonna be a lot more states that start opening up uh, for community solar. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on too, that over the next course of the next year or so, or a couple of years, uh, there'll be more states that, that have the ability to uh, offer community solar. Mm -hmm. There was a there was a great question in chat that I think is worth talking about from uh, from Niels. Uh, in the interest of transparency, is Energy Sage a business, a nonprofit, or how are we supported? Fantastic question. We like to describe ourselves a mission driven for profit. Uh, so, uh, like Mike said, we were founded in the early 2010s. We had a lot of initial funding and ongoing funding through our years uh, from the Department of Energy through the Sunshot Initiative, as well as some state level clean energy agencies uh, in New England where we're based. Uh, but we are we are we are for profit. So we are we are a private business, and to to let you know kind of how we are able to continue operating. So installers who use the platform do pay to use the site. They pay what you can think of as like a marketplace fee or a subscription fee. Um, but again, among the installers on the site, we play no favorites, and we do take the aspect of vetting the contractors who we work with very seriously. Uh, so again. It, working with installers on the site, when, if you've gotten a slew of a number of different quotes, there's no direct incentive on the site to, to sort of direct you one way or another. They're all on an even playing field, so to speak. But yeah, that's a great question. All right. You know, I actually looked in your deck in the very last slide is this map. So I'm going to share that real quick. Um, if that works. Yeah, is this there the it one is you're perfect. talking about? It is, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Cool. And can you just walk through real quick? Like, I don't understand what these different things mean, to be honest. These different colors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's essentially those are different sources regarding why community solar is available in certain areas, either due to federal mandates requiring utilities to start sourcing a certain amount of power from um, locally local green sources versus potentially incentive-based structuring, where uh, these farms are able to supplement themselves through sort of federal through federal funding that sort of, that gives them a kickback for being able to provide more renewable generation for the grid. A common question for people shopping for community solar is how are these farms able to operate? So for context, uh, and if you've ever seen one of these big solar farms along like the side of the highway, for example, this is typically one of those. A lot of community solar farms are actually private farms that are essentially contract out to your local utility company to produce a ton of clean renewable energy that they export back to the grid in exchange for credits net metering credits that cover utility costs. And then if you go community solar, you're essentially buying these net metering credits from the solar farm at a set rate. And depending on how these solar farms are funded, this is why they're able to generate that energy at a cost lower than what you would otherwise pay to the utility. Uh, and so so the, the list of states on the left is showing you which ones are currently available in terms of certain farms that you could register for through the Energy Sage Community Solar Marketplace. Okay. And the map, is it every state that's colored in, it's available? Correct. Correct. Yeah. If a state is grayed out, then community solar is not currently available in said state. Yep. Gotcha. So it's not, not available everywhere yet. It has been growing very quickly, even over the last five years. If you see the amount of states that have opened up community solar availability, uh, it's growing quite quickly. And so if you're not in a state where it's available yet, very well could, could be coming in the next few years or so. Awesome. Yeah. I think this is a, a really key development because you know at least when I was thinking about this four or five years ago and I was living in uh back when I had an apartment um just like if you're renting like it's you kind of just don't even think about this as an option and now it feels like it's it's an option in maybe not quite half the country but getting there 
it's it's great yeah and, and ryan you certainly have great context in terms of someone who has actually gone through the process of getting solar on a residential home i personally am still a renter i actually do subscribe myself through community solar and the energy sage sign up process for rooftop solar is very easy the community solar process is just as easy and it's generally not quite cancelable cancelable at any time but even if you're a renter it is an available option uh, and you could usually cancel within 30, 60, or 90 days. And so whatever portion of time you're going to be staying in your in your residence, as long as you have a decent idea of what that looks like, community solar is a great option for uh, offsetting your carbon footprint and helping support renewables around the area while saving a little bit month to month. Something that's interesting too, Ryan, that we're seeing is, and we're having this conversation about renters and, and being able to uh, access community solar that way, but we're actually seeing a lot of homeowners go with community solar as well for a variety of reasons. Um, one could be that they have too much tree shading and it just doesn't make sense for them to get, get rooftop solar panels on their roof. Um, so community solar is that good alternative option for them, or sometimes they just don't want panels on their roof. And so community solar is that option for them as well. Um, Community solar is excellent for renters. It's pretty much the only option um, if you if you want to subscribe to a to, to solar, but um, it's not uh, exclusive to renters or somebody that is does not own their own property. So homeowners could actually subscribe to it as well. Yeah, that that is a pretty a pretty common conversation topic that tends to drive some of my advising sessions with customers when we go from a rooftop discussion over to a community solar discussion is, you know, I, I'm interested in solar. I want to help support uh, renewables in my community, but I don't think I'm going to be in my home more than two or three years. And, and you know, solar, I, I would say if, if your solar system is going to pay, hit a return on investment in maybe 10 years or so, that's still, that's a pretty solid number to be able to hit um, for an investment as consistent as solar is. But some people aren't, aren't comfortable investing in something that will be so far from hitting its return when they move. Community solar is a great alternate for that. It's, it's better for shorter term uh, shorter-term home ownership or or renters, as as we've said as well. So it, it certainly has its own use and its own use and its own benefits as opposed to the traditional rooftop route. Love it. Um, I know we're not going to dive into it here, but I am going to talk about this a little bit more in the follow-up newsletter. So I just want to let folks know that community choice aggregation or green municipal aggregation has a bunch of different names, but that is an option in. I don't know if it's as many states as what we're looking at on the map here, but it's a way to kind of get your entire town uh, clean and cheaper electricity or cleaner and cheaper, depending on what what they decide, which is a much heavier yeah. lift. But um, and just a, a lot throw of it out there. A lot of those programs as well are actually not um, mutually exclusive from community solar. So if anyone's lived, then this might not necessarily be for municipal aggregation specifically, but depending on your utility region, you may have gotten sort of pamphlets or newsletters from your utility that you could pay a little extra to have your energy sourced directly from green sources. Uh, the difference there is that you are, with that type of program, you are actually directly sourcing your energy from those renewable sources, whereas with community solar, you're buying credits to offset the bill. So if you're in an area that does both, you could feasibly do both and actually have your energy supplied from green sources and offset your bill through community solar and sort of double up on covering your energy while evening out your costs over time. Uh, so worth looking into if you have both available to you. Very cool. Um, okay, so if someone's sort of, you know, new to this whole process and they have the, the context of what you just went through, just like what are what are some of the most important things for people to know or consider in making this decision? And what do you think of as the really like key best practices? 
Yeah, this is this is a great question, and I, I think that's oftentimes the first hurdle people come into is that they they see a lot of different variables within estimates that they've gotten, and they don't really know where to start. They don't know what's what's important to consider initially versus what's the less important first details that you're looking at. You know, I, I'd say it's it's worth as much as possible if you're able to come in with a plan regarding how much your energy usage is going to look like over time in terms of making sure that your first round of bids is as accurate as possible. So one of the things we we don't necessarily require, but we heavily recommend people come with when they register with us is electric billing history. So if you have a 12-month usage history for your home, to have a good idea of what your total kilowatt hour usage figure is over a given 12-month period, that's useful. What's additionally useful there is considering what your long-term usage is going to look like. So are you planning on adding an electric vehicle in two years? Are you, are you going through the process of adding heat pumps to your home? Uh, because you're looking at a solar system as potentially a 25 to 30-year investment, and having it sized to cover your long-term usages is absolutely worthwhile for that. Um, now, the first round of quotes you get might not be perfectly accurate. I think I mentioned this earlier. A key part of the process is an on-site survey and a deep review with your installer of choice to finalize the bid. Uh, so if that comes down to tweaking a panel count, for example, um, you know, that that is naturally going to come with the process. But I would say at least having a general idea of what you want to cover long term is, is extremely helpful. Um, and then in, in terms of sort of long term goals, I would say as a simple way to split it might be looking at people who are looking to get the system up on their roof for as little initial cost as possible versus best long term savings, to which point you could look at uh, potential differences in equipment quality and efficiency. Uh, versus just, again, lowest lowest upfront cost for an investment. Uh, all Again, all our details you'd be able to find within quotes if you got them on Energy Sage or even most external quotes you find. Um, but I, I'd say, is, and finally, I'd say for people who are looking to finance the system, having a target monthly budget can be helpful as well. Uh, so if your main goal is just, I want to keep my, my monthly cost lower than it currently is, that's helpful because the installer can give you their lowest overall monthly financing option. Or if your goal is a specific interest rate target or a specific term length target, that it helps coming in with at least a, a small understanding of that so you can really shape your your ongoing discussions to to figure out what fits best for you. Awesome. Thank you. And kind of a similar thing, but for just like, you know, once you have the quotes, you're looking at, I know there's different types of solar panels and all that, but I'm specifically curious about what do you look for in companies? And maybe this can apply to people outside of the US as well, because I know you yeah. vetted everything, who's everyone who's on your marketplace, but what are like the keys that you look for in like yeah, absolutely. that company? So to get, I'll give some context first on some of the things that our installer team looks at when we recruit new business partners for the site, which is kind of the opposite side of the marketplace that I work on. But as the two teams together, we work very closely. There's a lot of sort of internal communication there. So in terms of targeting an installer who's going to be a good fit, not just today, but for moving forward, we might look at how long an installer's already been in business. You know, solar being a relatively new industry, I'd say if you find an installer who's been active for 10 years, that's a pretty good sign that they've been able to remain consistently successful in their market. Uh, so how long an installer's been around, how many territories they service is helpful. Uh, so if an installer who covers a couple different regions typically has a pretty, a pretty decent outreach. We look at consistent customer reviews. Uh, so if you, if you come across a company who has a history of poor business practice, you know, and you can look at that at any number of review sources. We have reviews on our site of individual companies. So if you come across a company and you find their profile page on our platform, you can read some customer reviews. But you could also look at Yelp, Google, you know, a number of different public resources for reviewing that. And so uh, we look at a company's history, their customer reviews and satisfaction. 
Uh, and finally, we'll look at their pricing. I, I think my, something Mike mentioned earlier was sort of the the savings people can get working through Energy Sage versus externally. Uh, and in some cases, you might save 20 to 30% going through a company on Energy Sage. And, and some of that can be some installers charge a much higher margin of profit than others. And so we, we want to find companies who are going to be successful on the platform. And part of that is going to include companies who are going to be competitive on the site. Because if you get a set of seven quotes, the installers know that you're looking at their quote directly next to their competitors for your business. Uh, so they're going to try to put their best foot forward right off the bat. Whereas maybe one external quote you get, an installer might start pretty high because they don't know what other offers you've gotten. Uh, so that that matters as well. But so for, for individual company vetting, I'd say as a baseline, understand where they're located, understand where they do business out of how long they've been around as a starting point can be helpful for getting an initial idea of what, what their company health looks like and how they're sort of going to continue to provide service moving forward. Yeah, awesome. One quick thing on that too, Ryan, uh, part of the value I think with working with us on at Energy Sage and, and registering your property through us is that it kind of goes to that, that old mantra of make sure you get three quotes before um, you select somebody. Um, and part of that as you're going through and whatever the, the um, renovation or, or whatever it may be, um, is vetting those companies and making sure that they are legit companies. We kind of take that process out of that, uh, out of it for, for the consumer um, in that, that we're already vetting those companies. If they're on our website, then they are good companies that are, are respected and that you know that you can um, lean on for a variety of things. So it's not a, a fly-by-night company or, or a company that isn't legit. Um, you're safe in, in which, whichever company that you go with through Energy Sage. Yeah, awesome. Um, okay, cool. I have one final question for Matt or both of you, um, and then we'll, we'll get into some Q&A. So my last question is, is kind of just trying to cover anything we haven't touched on, and it's what are the most common questions that people have or the most common hurdles that you see people facing and just like what are what are the answers what's the best way forward to to solve those things yeah and, and this is it's 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 funny because this is probably the most common question that we get is what questions am i not asking um and and i'd say it, it really it can vary depending on the customer i i think what people sometimes struggle with coming in is without a really solid understanding of the technology understanding how to compare different options that they've already received from a tech from a tech perspective we do our best to a certain extent to kind of cover that on the platform we have an equipment rating system on a simple scale of one to five that does have a certain baseline in terms of stuff like uh, quality performance efficiency warranty coverage is a big one um and and i'd say warranty coverage past equipment as well as another big question of people not really understanding how far their coverage goes uh and and typically what i recommend for that because it's not always easy to give a concrete answer of that on one of our calls is um, you know when you're speak when you're connecting with an installer to discuss next steps, have them give you a full, well-rounded idea of how what their coverage entails. You know, walk through the warranty coverage both for the equipment and the installer, uh, how, where that goes on as far as labor coverage, uh, how the monitoring works for their system, and what kind of service they provide long-term. Because uh, what that does is it it not only gives you context for why the equipment is covered for so long, because most equipment warranties are going to be 25 years. But it also lets you know, hey, if I have an issue three years from now, who's my point of contact? Who am I getting in touch with? Who is really going to be helping me down the line? And, and to sort of give you, if nothing else, some peace of mind of knowing I might not have a perfect understanding of how this system works on a day-to-day -day basis, but I have connection to someone who does and who's going to be able to continue to give me, give me service long-term for that. 
um, as, as far as other, other coverage goes, um, I, I would say another common question is, should I be doing this now versus waiting a few years? Um, and, you know, I think we, we, again, we talked a bit about how prices fluctuated over time. Equipment prices have mostly been somewhat, I don't want to say stagnant, but have plateaued a bit, a bit more over the last few years than they did over the past, let's say, decade. Um, and I think really what you see more often, especially on the local level, depending on where you're located, is the uh, sort of slow retiring of local incentives, incentives. So thankfully, we have this big federal tax credit that we now have for another 10 plus years. That's fantastic. A lot of local incentives are not so lucky at this point. Uh, so local net metering rates, local uh, production-based incentives in your area might not be around forever. And so as long as, you're, as long as you're able to get a system put in today that's functionally able to cover most, if not all, of your needs, I would say moving sooner rather than later is not only going to obviously give you more months of utility bills you're not paying to your utility company, but it's also going to lock you in at potentially a better local incentive and, and utility rate structure than you might see if you waited two or three years. Uh, now, obviously, that can vary on a case-by-case -case basis, but I would say more often than not, if solar is functionally possible for you, moving sooner rather than later is just going to give you more time to accrue savings on the system. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Rachel, you want to take it away with some Q&A? Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. I mean, that was that was a lot of information and that was really awesome and i'm glad that this is recorded so that we can all go back and 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 uh yeah watch it again and and really soak it up but thank you so much for that awesome overview um if uh there are a few uh questions in the chat um but if people also want to just go ahead and if you have a question if you want to just um, unmute yourself and ask for it. Ask it. We'd love to just hear it directly from you. Um, if you want to raise your hand. Uh, yeah, Niels, go ahead. Oh, I had trouble unmuting there. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just wondering, I wrote it in the chat too, but I figured that since you're asking, um, I will ask. Uh, so do you advise on energy storage options as well, or does Energy Sage advise on energy storage options as well? meaning like batteries or I don't know if there are other types of things out there, but I know that there are various battery storage companies. So just curious about that. Yeah, great question. We absolutely do. Uh, and uh, we have seen battery storage as an attachment go up consistently over time since we added batteries as a functionality to the marketplace in 2020. Um, it's still a relative minority of solar customers who are getting batteries at this point, but it has come steadily up over time. It was about a 2% increase since our last industry report that we're seeing now. Um, and so, yeah, if, if, you're, if you're looking for quotes on batteries, if you've already gotten quotes on batteries, it does tend to be a part of the conversation if it's, if it's an interest to you. So, yeah, it is uh, another pretty regular part of the discussion. Yeah. Do you have any kind of a more specific battery question you were looking for some insight on? Uh, well, I, I think that you know, if there's a power outage, that's a good option to have, but then how often you'll use it is probably fairly infrequently. Um, and then I guess the other question is how long do the batteries last? I think that's yeah. like a questionable thing. So I don't know yeah. if there's information on that. Yeah, I can I can give a quick overview. I think we could talk about batteries for, for, for an hour on its own. So I'll try to be brief on that. And then if you have more follow-up questions, we can potentially take that offline. I'm happy to give you some more insight on that. Uh, but so batteries, they don't last quite as long as a base solar system. They're typically warranted for about 10 years versus 25 for the rest of the system. And they are, I'd say, primarily good for people who are looking for some more home resilience that your solar system is not strictly going to provide. 
because at, at least in the US, your system is designed to disconnect when you lose connection to the grid. So having a battery lets you essentially operate in a, to a certain extent operate during an outage. Um, and so it's not a good option for everyone, particularly for people who don't lose power very often. I'd say batteries tend to be a bit of a pricey addition that you generally won't need. And for people who are only getting a battery for backup storage, you might only use it a handful of times a year. There are areas in the country where having a battery can financially benefit you on a regular basis, particularly in areas like California that have varying utility rate structures throughout the day. So you might have a battery to store cheap energy in the morning and then use the energy when it's more expensive later in the day. That can be a valuable use case for a battery, but that's again, a little, a little inconsistent. So uh, it's, it's absolutely a possibility. Uh, it's also something that if you get a system today, you could potentially retrofit down the line. Uh, so that's, that's a, I would say a conclusion I come to people some, with sometimes is that I'm interested in a battery. The price isn't quite there for me right now, but I want to leave the possibility open if the technology improves. So maybe I'll get a system now that's battery ready to add on in two or three years, uh, but obviously can vary depending on, depending on your goals, depending on, on the, the customer. Great. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Niels. Thanks, Matt. Uh, there's a question in here from Ryan. Uh, do installers typically offer like one type of solar panel or do they tend to offer a portfolio from different manufacturers? What kind of a range are you getting in terms of choosing like the actual type of panel that you're able to get? Yeah, great question. Uh, it will vary depending on the installer. I would say most installer providers are going to carry a variety. They might have one primary option that's sort of their bread and butter, what they quote to most people that they think is sort of either the best balance of price and efficiency uh, or, or some other factor. But most will have sort of at least a couple different packages that uh, can be better suited for different people depending on what technologies you're looking at. You know, someone shopping for an electric vehicle and batteries might need a different inverter option, for example, so they could carry different brands for that. Uh, whereas there might be some other companies who work exclusively with one particular brand. And so they might carry a couple different equipment options, but all from one brand or another. So I, I suppose the short answer there is that it, it varies, but most installers I'd say will have at least a handful of different options. Awesome, thank you. Um, and then do y'all have any advice um, about like solar panels on your roof versus solar roofing? Um, like those those roofing tiles, the three tabs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This these this has become a more common question over time. It's unfortunately not something we have a service for on our site for people to get quotes for solar roofs, uh, primarily because they are it's inconsistent where they're available currently. It's it's still a relatively new technology has not been super widely adopted yet. There are a handful of companies who do it. Um, you know, Tesla is obviously a big one of them. Probably the one people have heard of the most. Uh, I'd say in terms of comparing them to like a traditional panel install, they are noticeably more expensive and tend to only be cost-effective for people who also need a full roof replacement. Um, and lastly, the the lead times for getting it put in can be a good bit more extended than just getting a traditional panel set up. You know, what what might take you three three months to get a panels put in might take you a year to get a full roof installed, which depending on the timeline for a roof replacement might not be enough time for people but certainly for people who really don't care for the traditional panel aesthetics and are looking for sort of a new technology to be an early adopter for, I'd say it is absolutely an option. And, you know, if we're looking five, 10 years down the road, I think it's going to be much more common than it is today. Right. Awesome. Yeah. So Saul's asking when the grid goes out, will you still receive power? Yeah, yeah. So in, in the vast, but pretty much everywhere in the, in the States and in the vast majority of utility regions, you will not. 
keep power if you lose power if you lose power with solar installed in the US you'll have your system installed with an automatic shutoff switch which when when the when the system detects that the grid is down it will automatically disconnect the system from your house as otherwise it becomes a safety hazard for utility workers working on the lines as your system needs a way to essentially export excess power that your home is not able to immediately draw and so that would otherwise have to go back into the grid uh, which again is not you're not able to do at that point with battery storage installed, you can have your system installed with what we call islanding, where you can essentially have the battery act somewhat as the grid for the system. Uh, so you you power your home and you refill the battery until the battery is full. Once the battery is full, the system shuts off and you use the battery to power the home. And then when it empties out, you go back and start again. Uh, and so it, it with a battery, you might not necessarily be fully off grid. Your system might not be operating as as, as maxed out as it would without the battery but you can essentially have your system power what we would refer to as your critical load um, and power a portion of your home during an outage until you're back online. Right, great, thank you. I have one more question, um, just to make sure Ruth gets some clarity here. Uh, she said that she's from Georgia and looking forward to getting enough solar energy to power their electric vehicle. Do you have any, advice on how to plan for future incre increases in increases like load load yeah um, yeah great With, inherently there there is an element of estimation there right it, it you're even if you you know you're getting an electric vehicle even if you know exactly what model of electric vehicle you're getting for example you might not know exactly how much you're going to be driving it per year and what your use adjustment is going to look like most electric vehicle providers are going to have some sort of calculator you could utilize to essentially say, I drive this many miles per month or per year, this is the model I'm looking at, and that will give you an estimate of how much energy it would take to power that vehicle. That is really the number you're looking for, is, is how many extra kilowatt hours of power you need to plan for. As an estimate, I'd say a commuter vehicle, so a vehicle that's going to be used daily, is probably going to add an extra maybe 3,000 to 4,500 kilowatt hours a year. Whereas a vehicle you might only use a couple times a week, that might be closer to 1,500, 2,000, 2,500. Um, I, I would say that it, it, once, you've, once you've found an installer you're willing to work with, it tends to be better to err on the sort of more generous side for future usage for most homes, just because homes do typically use more power over time as you slowly accumulate more appliances, maybe you have more people move into the home. Um, but if your usage is more consistent, then I'd say you could, again, start off with a simple estimate and, and work from there. And one thing that I always think is worth noting for people with solar is that there's there's nothing inherently wrong with having a system that does not cover 100% of your needs. Uh, because you're going to remain grid-tied, you'll always have the grid as a backup resource for you if you don't have enough power directly from the panels. So if you don't want to oversize the system and you want to make sure you're getting as good savings as possible that you can get for per panel you're installing, then maybe starting with like 80 or 90% and having a system you could maybe expand on down the line is, is not a bad alternate as well. Mm. Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, the last thing I wanna make sure we cover for a few folks um, in the chat, and I know a lot of people who had registered um, is for folks that are outside of the US. Um, like we know that Energy Sage right now is only in the US solar market. But either like, do you have any suggestions for people who are outside of the US or what's kind of, what are you guys looking at in terms of that international market? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start this, Matt, and then if you can fill in the blanks here. Um, so as Rachel had mentioned, we, we're based in the US right now. We're in 42 states plus DC. 
Um, but we are looking to expand uh, internationally at some point as well. Where that will be, it's to be, to be determined still at this point, um, but just know that we do have our eyes set on uh, having a broader reach at some point. Um, and then in that same breath too, we, we've talked a lot about solar and storage um, and EVs to a certain extent now as well. Um, the Energy Sage website has a vast uh, amount of clean energy educational sources. So it's not, don't think of it as just uh, solar resources. Um, think of it as if you are looking at or interested in EVs or heat pumps, um, hot water heaters, we have articles and uh, objective educational content on that, that stuff as well. Um, so feel free to, to utilize those resources as well. It's all free. It's all online for you at there as well. Um, but Matt, do you, do you know of anybody else internationally currently that folks can utilize? Yeah, I, so obviously, unfortunately, the marketplace aspect of our site specifically won't be quite as much help as, as the content resources. I, I It might depend on your area. I don't know off the top of my head whether there's sort of one faster comparable resource to us for maybe the EU or something like that or uh, for Canada or Mexico. Um, it might be something worth us maybe checking in with the with the Schneider crowd, Mike, to see whether they have anything more better yeah. better suited for, for people. Um, in, in other in other countries or other regions, but um, I, yeah, I would say at the very least, starting with the content resources and working from there. Uh, you know, I, I think as as a baseline, if you're looking just to sort of connect with a couple individual providers for a chat, cursory Google search is always a good starting point to see what's available in your area, or potentially connecting with your utility company directly. There are a lot of utilities, at least over in the states, that will have their own internal resources for partnered solar contractors, and so if they're able to give you any resources for that as a starting point particularly if it's a pretty renewable friendly utility region, that could be a good way to get the process kicked off. Awesome, thank you. And yeah, if you guys dig up any additional resources for international folks, we will absolutely follow up and send those to people. Um, Great. So we're coming up on time here. This has been fantastic. I just wanted to, to kind of give the final word to, to you, Mac, Matt and Mike. Um, do you just have any final thoughts or calls to actions that you want to share with people before we part ways? Yeah, absolutely. I can. I guess I can kick it off first, Mike. Um, I, I really recommend if if, if this is if something you're considering, even on a small scale, I, I recommend as many people to look into this as possible. Obviously, a little biased being a member of the solar industry, I, I think that for a lot of people, solar is much more accessible than you might initially think. Um, and whether or not it's something like a, a, a roof restriction or a budget restriction, at least taking a glance at the options that are out there for you and sort of doing the calculus on your end, figuring out if it's something that makes sense, if there's a way you can swing it. You know, I, I think it always helps for us all to do our part to be a little greener uh, and obviously potentially saving some money in the process can, can certainly help. Um, I, again, another plug to Energy Sage, if you're in the US and you're looking for some assistance, maybe getting some quotes and really getting the process started, but you don't really know where to start, uh, that's why we're here and we're, we're really always excited to help as many people as possible start taking those next steps. Yeah, quick, uh, three quick things that I think I have off the top of my head. Um, one is a, is a quick plug for, for Energy Sage again. Uh, we, we talked a lot again about rooftop solar, community solar, what we will be launching as well in the US. I believe in New York and Massachusetts, at least initially, is a heat pump marketplace as well. Um, to help folks kind of guide through that process of uh, getting off of fossil fuels for, for HVAC equipment and, and focusing more on heat pumps. Um, so that's one, one piece. 
The other piece is if you are interested um, and currently uh, work at an organization that might be interested in partnering with Energy Sage, similar to what we've done with crowdsource and sustainability here, I'm a partnerships manager over here, and I'm, I'm happy to have that conversation with you to see if there could be a good fit where we could partner with you to um, provide employee uh, benefits program or um, partner in some other way that, that we can help your organization reach its ESG goals, for instance. Um, and then the, the last piece that I had. So there's two pieces right there. So two out of three. We have the link. Do we have the link for the crowdsourcing sustainability uh, partnership signup? I believe that was in the chat I'll at the start. I'll drop of the... it back yep. at the bottom here. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks for reading my mind, Matt. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you both for joining us and all the important work you're doing uh, to help people make this switch from from fossil fuels to solar power and increasingly, you know, heat pumps, all this other good stuff. Um, we really appreciate you sharing your insights and for taking the time to shed light on what can really otherwise be a complicated, confusing process. I know I was overwhelmed at first when I went down the road. Uh, this was this was really great. And thank you to everyone for joining today. Um, hope you found this valuable and end up getting clean energy on your home one way or another, whether it's with the loan or community solar, or maybe it's down the road if, if stuff isn't available. Um, and either way, please, like it was, I don't know, it's a pleasure to share this time with you. And yeah, I, I just hope everyone has a wonderful rest of your day. Yeah, thanks so much, everyone. Um, thanks for your time and always feel free to reach out to us with any, any follow-up questions and we'll be sending you the replay and all the kind of pertinent links um, so you can have everything in one place to get started. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Awesome. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you so much. Take care, all.